You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. Big show lined up for you today. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York, a Tuesday edition. So uh, let's roll. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram as well, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is up for today. We'll get to that. We got our moment of inspiration coming up at 5.30. But in case you're just waking up this morning, just getting rolling, just getting out of bed. Monday night football last night. It was a late one. Seahawks get a win against the Niners in overtime, 27-24. to So that takes care of the unbeaten teams in the NFL. Niners were the last one. No longer. And I'm sure the uh, daily updates on the NFL MVP race will continue with Russell Wilson's performance. Oh, is it Russell Wilson? Is it Lamar Jackson? I don't know. Why don't we wait until the regular season is a little bit more uh, closer to the end before we start? This is the first time I ever remember weekly updates on the NFL MVP race in October. Uh, I don't know. Why don't we wait until the season becomes kind of defined and then you'll have your two or three candidates, and then you can figure it out. I've never been uh, so uh, I've never seen so many people invested in who's going to win the NFL MVP award. Is it going to be Christian McCaffrey? Is it going to be Lamar Jackson? Is it going to be Jamal Adams? Jamal Adams is vote. He has somehow been able to secure a vote from himself. He's he's stolen somebody else's, like it was being held by Daniel Jones, and he is going to vote for himself. But other than that, I don't think he's going to get many votes. But uh, the Seahawks knock off the Niners last night. Met fans uh, should be happy. I don't know necessarily that they're satisfied, though. Pete Alonzo, officially named the National League Rookie of the Year yesterday. Not a surprise. I guess the only kind of surprising part of it was that he did not get the award unanimously. Mike Sorotka of the Braves, he got the one other first place vote. Alonzo got all of them but one. And apparently that, that, that does not satisfy Met fans at all. They want to, not just for him to get all of the first place votes. I think they wanted a couple of write-ins of people that were not even allowed to vote to vote for people, get some extra first place votes. Because immediately, as soon as it turned out, they found out that it was not uh, unanimous. Met fans grabbing the torches and the pitchforks. and How dare you? Here's the newsflash, and it's not really all that uh, newsy. It's uh, you don't get anything for a unanimous. It's it's the same. Nothing different happens. It's the same award. It's the same honor. It's all. It's exactly the same. So congratulations to Pete Alonso for his huge season, 53 home runs, 120 ribbies, and all the great stuff. Uh, you know, it's funny, though. I, I'm guessing that if, if Met fans had a rookie pitcher do what Sorotka did this year on a team that won a division, a team that went to the playoffs, and someone else put up huge numbers for a team largely out of the pennant race, I'm guessing that they would not have been all that happy. But uh, Pete Alonso clearly was the rookie of the year. And we talked about it last week, how hard it is on our own poll questions, which is nowhere near as significant as the rookie of the year, but how hard it is just to get 90% of the votes. So the fact that he got all but one is, is still pretty good. It's still pretty good. But, of course, on this fine Tuesday morning, as you wake up, as you get out of bed, you're wondering, what's the, what's the real meat of the day, Gordon? What's the real story of the day? What's on the back pages? What's the real focus 
on this Tuesday morning, this Tuesday edition of the Gordon Damer Show. Well, we have the New York Knicks. Who? The New York Knicks. You remember them. It was back on Sunday that the Knicks, after you got to sit and watch the Jets and Giants do battle against each other, you got to see how the Knicks were doing. You got to tune in. Knicks and Cavs at the Garden. Knicks getting off to a bit of a rough start so far this year. But they were coming off the win against Dallas. Good road win. Able to uh, overcome Kristaps Porzingis in his first matchup against his former team. And you wanted to see, you know, can the Knicks back this up? Can the Knicks follow this up with another strong performance? And not that the record would then suddenly be good. But at least things might seem like they were pointed in the right direction. And the good news, if you were looking for good news, if you're an optimist by nature, if you're someone who likes to look for the silver lining like I do, you got your answer right away. And the answer was completely no. No, the Knicks could not follow it up. The Knicks could not back it up. The Knicks could not do really much of anything. They were trailing by, last I saw it on Sunday, As soon as I turned the game on, they were down 30. I said, well, all right, early night for bed tonight. I'm not going to sit and watch. I'm not going to sit here and ram my head against the wall watching this disgrace. And apparently I was not the only one who was not all that happy because then after the game on Sunday, both Steve Mills and Scott Perry conducted an impromptu press conference to, as we talked about yesterday, discuss how they are not happy with the direction of the team that they expected better than this, and that while it is still early on in the season, they need to see better effort and better consistency. So then the stories came out yesterday, because God forbid, with the Knicks, things are ever left right there. God forbid it's ever... The season's not gotten off to the best of starts, so we got to pick things up and then leave it alone. Adrian Wojnarowski... You've heard of that guy. Along with uh, Malika Andrews had the story on ESPN.com about how behind the scenes, Knicks president Steve Mills is already angling for David Fisdale's job. According to the uh, article, quote, Mills is selling owner James Dolan on a roster constructed to be highly competitive in the Eastern Conference leaving Fisdale vulnerable to an ouster only weeks into the second season of a four-year contract that league sources say is worth $22 million. Rival coaches and executives see a mismatched Knicks roster slow afoot without legitimate NBA guard play, but Mills is selling Dolan on a poorly coached team that is underachieving at a 2-8 and start. Around Madison Square Garden in the league, the, to- the timing and tone of the news conference was met with considerable surprise and dismay. And it was considered to be a complete undermining of Fisdale. Well, the reason why it was seen to be a complete undermining of Fisdale was because they were undermining David Fisdale. So let's get into this. The Knicks are sitting at 2-8 and eight on the season. And I am not going to tell you because anytime you see a report that someone's firing is not imminent, generally that means that person's firing is imminent. 
I mean, what are we talking about? The fact that you know who's not who's firing is not imminent. People who are succeeding, people who are not. You don't ever have to bring that up when it's not in question whether or not the person's firing is imminent. So the fact that you bring it up, hey, is this person's firing imminent, means there's probably a very good chance that that person is going to get fired pretty soon, unless things miraculously turn around. One of the more recent examples was was Mickey Calloway. This year, it certainly seemed like during the course of the season, there were some rumblings that Mickey Calloway was going to be out of a job. But what happened? Mets got on that stretch of games right after the All-Star break where they basically played perfect baseball. They got back into the, the playoff chase, as it were, and things stabilized for Mickey Calloway a little bit before the Mets you know, dropped back off at the end of the season and didn't make the playoffs. So the fact that anybody is bringing up that uh, it's possible that David Fisdale is going to be fired makes me believe that it's almost certain before we get too far into this season – that David Fisdale is going to get fired because I don't really see, and this is, has to be the first takeaway, how things are going to dramatically change. Now, the next schedule does get somewhat easier. They're not really playing that many uh, great teams here coming up, and we'll run down the schedule as we get a little deeper into the show. But I would first say, and this has kind of been my take on the Knicks so far this year, 10 games into a season where you basically changed pretty much everything on the roster. Not everything, but quite a few pieces. What did you expect? If you are 10 games into the year and your expectations so far have not been necessarily, not even met, but like you're blown away by how underwhelming the Knicks have been, the problem really is not on the Knicks as much as it is on your expectations. It's a team that won 17 games. What did you think was going to happen? And I got to be honest, I feel like already this year, it's like the Christmas spirit is a little early. I don't know. It felt like as soon as, even before Halloween was over, it was like stores were putting up Christmas. The fact that this stuff is happening with the Knicks, again, feels a little early. It feels like when you drive past the a lot of Christmas trees and it's November 10th. Wait a second. It's November 10th. I'm going to have this tree in my house for two months? Seems like a fire hazard. But speaking of firing with the Knicks, I would just simply say, what did you actually expect when you put together this roster? I get Nick fans are largely delusional, and I think that there are some reasons for hope down the road. R.J. Barrett would be one of them, like to see what he can do over the course of the season. Had a hot start, kind of cooled off. He's a rookie, he's young, this is going to be part of it. Mitchell Robinson, unfortunately, got off to a bad start, then was in the concussion protocol, so that's not all that great. And there are some other reasons for for hope within a, a certain sense. Like, let's not think that the reason for hope is that, hey, these guys are going to completely turn around the direction of the franchise. You're just looking to steer the ship. The ship's a big ship, and you're just hoping to get the thing kind of pointed in the right direction. Not necessarily pinpoint accuracy. You're not expecting 50 wins, but you'd just like to see after 17 wins a year ago, kind of getting things 
moving in the right direction. Even the over-under this year seemed like it was a bit overly optimistic at 29 wins. If you win 17, and I get it, they were not trying to win last year, but you make the moves that the Knicks made with their roster, to think that you're going to jump up, you're almost going to double your wins from a year ago, that seems a bit over-optimistic. So at 2-8, and eight, yeah, maybe the Knicks could have maybe won another game here or there. And yeah, I'd like for the effort to be better than it's been. But what did you expect? You know, there's a reason why bad teams have issues with inconsistent effort. They're bad teams. They're not that talented. The more talented a team is, the better a team is, the more you can can rely on what their effort is going to be night in and night out. It's all well and good to say, well, you know, you should be able to control your effort. When you're not a good team, that's one of the things that's going to be impacted, your effort. Now, I don't know if David Fisdale is all that great of a coach. Are there things that David Fisdale has done in his time here? That I question. Of course. It's like that with every coach. Especially a coach in a bad team. Like the Knicks are. But it's not been so egregious. That anybody should be thinking about. Firing the head coach. So our poll question. Which is up for today. It's on Twitter. I gotta find it. At Gordon Damer. At least I know where it is. Unlike the Knicks, who can't uh, seem to find their uh, rear ends with uh, two hands and a map. Ten games into the season, there's already chaos surrounding the Knicks. Woj reports that Steve Mills is angling for David Fisdale to be fired. The Knicks have many problems. Which is the most responsible for their 2-8 and eight start? Is it the front office or is it the head coach? You can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Coming up. We'll dive a little deeper into this. We'll hear from Adrian Wojnarowski on his thoughts about what's going on with the Knicks right now and how this is now kind of public, but how with the Knicks, there are the problems that you see and that there are problems that you don't see. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, of course, we're uh, talking about the Knicks this morning and the uh, dysfunction that already 10 games in. That train's never late. So um, Adrian Wojnarowski has the story up on uh, ESPN.com. And uh, this is uh, Woj talking to uh, the guys on the Michael K show yesterday about uh, what is going on with Knicks management. There's two things in the NBA a really smart executive said to me once. You better be able to sell one of these two things, winning or hope. And at any given time, if you can't sell either of them, you're in a lot of trouble. The Knicks are perilously close to that place. Uh, we certainly know they're not selling winning, but after last year's free agency, it's tough to sell hope. This summer is not a, there's not a free agent class where there's a difference maker if we're assuming Anthony Davis is staying with the Lakers in the following year. It's different, but I think what you have seen very consistently in the NBA is players, they're picking organizations, they're picking success, they're picking vision, and the Knicks have not been able to sell that. So to think that they can just keep chasing cap space and sell that to their owner, I think that's a tough sell. I don't know whether they can sell that to their fans anymore. Well, A, they don't really need to sell them to the fans. Uh, the fans are, you can be counted on. And maybe that's part of the problem, right? Like if there was a, 
you know, if any other team in this town had been bad for 20 years, there would be much more of a fan revolt, right? Like the Giants have been bad here for a while and already year two into a new coach who has not shown you a whole lot. I'll grant you that. But you had to know that this year was a rebuilding year, but already there are cries for the coach to be fired. Uh, the Jets, who did have expectations coming into the year, I think is a little bit more fair considering the performance of Adam Gase, but already halfway through season one, um, they're crying for the coach's job. The Knicks have been basically terrible for 20 years, year in and year out. It can be counted on, and not just bad. They have been a punchline more times than not. They have been um, a laughing stock more times than not. So this this new twist here is not really all that surprising. So when you get to the poll question today about um, which is the most responsible for the 2-8 and eight start, I think that today might be one of those ones that we get close to 90%. I'm not saying that David Fisdale is a perfect coach. i I got to be honest with you. I don't know how he is as a coach because last year – you really can't count anything that he did last year on his real resume because, again, the Knicks were not trying to win, and it was a terrible roster. And David Fisdale came here probably expecting, hey, you know what, I'll get the Knicks job. Uh, eventually, I'll have Christos Porzingis, and he never coached Coach uh, Christos Porzingis. So this is what happens when you're a bad team, you find what you think is your franchise piece, that guy gets hurt, and then before he comes back, you trade him away, and you're starting over. And that's what the Knicks did this offseason. They completely started over. Now, it would be one thing if they started over with a real sound plan. They didn't. Their approach in free agency was not the worst thing that they could have done long term. But it wasn't good. Nobody looked at what the Knicks did in free agency. Let me put it this way, because Nick fans, you have to keep that into the delusion of them. Nobody looked at should have looked at what the Knicks did in free agency this year and said, you know what? Wow, this is this is going to turn it around. Now, I think the roster is more talented than it was last year, but not by leaps and bounds. So then you really get to what the crux of the issue is and the crux of the issue. If you're talking about things that can be controlled is clearly the front office. Steve Mills has been here forever. He served in a variety of roles. And this past off season was his chance to change the narrative. He was the inside guy. He was the wheeler and dealer. And he clearly informed the owner that he had inside information. Where do you think James Dolan was getting the idea that the Knicks were going to hit it big in free agency. You think he just came up with that on his own? Or was that people within the organization telling him that? Clearly, it was people within the organization telling them that. And who would that be? It was clearly Steve Mills. Steve Mills' record, much like the Knicks, because he's been with the Knicks this entire time, has been terrible. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was, it was not that long ago he had his 500th game and it was like for every win, he had two or three losses. It's been abysmal. Now, a lot of times in those situations, you got to give and cut that guy maybe some slack because he didn't have the role necessary to turn things around. 
this offseason, Steve Mills did. And it didn't get turned around. So if you're looking for the failures of this offseason, it's not on David Fisdale. It's on Steve Mills. How could anybody not see that? I'm not even going to put this on Scott Perry because, A, he's not been here as long as Steve Mills. And I don't really look at him as the guy who's the mover and shaker with, you know, in terms of free agency. Yeah, he's the GM, but the team president is supposed to be the big information guy, the guy who thinks that he has really the fingers on the pulse of what goes on behind the scenes in the NBA. The finger that he has on the pulse is of a cadaver. It's dead. There's nothing there. So I don't see how anybody in their right mind can vote for anything other than the front office. So I'm sure that there will be a lot of responses today that it's not the coach, it's not the front office. Gordon, it's the owner. And I would say you have to be – You have to be. Uh, how could I ever tell you you're wrong? If you're a bad team for a few years, you can say, all right, we just made a couple of wrong moves. We've got to get the right people in place. But you know what? Over the course of 20 years, the Knicks – have actually hired some people that do know what they're doing. Donnie Walsh would be one of them. Mike D'Antoni would be another. And it's unlike the other teams in town that seem to be dysfunctional. The Jets are a perfect example to me. When the Jets hire good people, generally, it results in good results. Now, it hasn't happened here recently. Hasn't happened in a while, and they do definitely have a problem identifying and hiring the right people. But, you know, the Knicks are a little bit different. It it seems like for most people they would think, wow, you know what? The Knicks just can never get it right. No, sometimes they do hire the right people. But for whatever reason, and I think this clearly comes to management, ownership, and everything involved, that they are not given the leeway to get the job done. So I'm not going to tell you you're wrong if you're going to say it's the owner's fault. Clearly, if you're terrible for 20 years and you're constantly changing coaches, constantly changing players, constantly changing pieces, not all of them, in the front office, well then, yeah, it has to come back to whoever the decision maker is. But the decision maker in terms of the owner is not going to change. So if you're going to put blame on what can be changed, it's either on the front office or it's on the coach. And for anybody who's already drawing up the list of candidates that I've seen, well, you know what? They just got to get Mark Jackson. Or, oh, they just got to go get this person or that person. Then I'm sorry, you're lost. If you think that Mark Jackson is going to come in here and the team is going to perform markedly better than they have so far, I'd have to guess that you just haven't been here long enough, that you haven't gone through this like the rest of us have. This is the never-ending story where the names change, but the results don't. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And just in terms of Steve Mills, I would just say, you know, with the Knicks, like a lot of teams, but more so the Knicks than any other, when you have a team that's been bad for as long as they have, there's the there's the dysfunction that you see, right? Like sometimes they hire the wrong coach or they, they draft the wrong players. 
and, and I mean, look at this roster. I mean, we're Nick fans are, are under the impression that everything is going to be ro- like Frank Nealakina goes out and has a couple of good games based on you know what the expectations were, and the expectations were zero at that point. Frank Nealakina was an afterthought on this roster. And he goes out and he has some good games. I'm not telling you that he was bad. But the Nick fans make it, oh, my God, he's going to be an all-star. Can you calm down? Jet fans do the same thing. It's crazy to me. After Sunday's game, I actually saw people referencing Jamal Adams. Well, he's playing like Troy Palomalu. He was playing against the Giants. Can you calm down? Can you have more than one game where he, where he plays? And he played great on Sunday. Can we slow down on comparing him to Troy Palomalu? I saw people, well, you know, he might very well get uh, votes for Defensive Player of the Year. What? He had one game. The week before, the Dolphins scored a touchdown where Jamal didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Can we slow down? And Nick fans are the same way. They expect it to be, the forget about on the optimistic side. They blow it up to where it's it's completely unreasonable. So if you're looking at this roster and expecting it to, oh, my, this piece here, oh, look at all these great players. They don't have a lot of great players. They have some interesting players. They have some players that have some nice potential. But this is not a good roster. And at no point this year should you ever have been thinking about playoffs or 40 wins or 35 wins. It's a bad team. And you're rebuilding. And unfortunately, because of the Porzingis thing, you started over last summer, last year. That was the bottoming out again. So it's all starting fresh. But in regards to Steve Mills and the, and the dysfunction that you see and the dysfunction you don't see, in terms of wins and losses, in terms of basketball, Steve Mills is a disaster. I mean, the record speaks for itself. And last year was his chance to completely change the narrative. He makes it out like many do. I know more than you. You think you know, but you don't know about what really goes on. And last offseason was his chance to prove that he had a better read on the situation than you or I. He didn't. He failed. So if anybody is going to be blamed, and even to be, I mean, his record is, is great, but to be looking to blame anybody on a team that's not going to be good 10 games into a season, that's a disaster. That's an absolute disaster. So... But in terms of the the dysfunction behind the scenes, well, in that regard, Steve Mills is like Pat Riley. I mean, in terms of the actual basketball, it's a disaster. But in terms of shifting blame and alienating people and working behind the scenes so that nothing really sticks to him, well, the fact that he's been here this long and the record has been as bad as it is, how anybody in their right mind could be looking at the situation – at 2-8, and eight, thinking about making changes and thinking about blaming a coach who was not tasked with winning games last year, but through 10 games this year, all of a sudden it's all his fault. Well, that just tells me that nothing's going to change anytime soon. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Groove, you're smiling. I like that. Let's take a look at your response. Did you come up with the right one? No. What is we love you out? That's very kind. <laughs> Thank you. Cost you nineteen ninety five. You're left with five bucks. Okay. 
I mean, he does that nice emotional thing. You still leave him with five bucks? Can't you throw in a, can't you throw in a fiver there? Throw in a fin there, Alex? That's from Jeopardy yesterday. The guy obviously didn't know the right answer. I feel like that's the tack that I would take if I ever got to Jeopardy. I don't know what scenario would uh, have to... Basically, everyone but uh, three people on the planet would have to be uh, killed off as an asteroid hit the Earth. And then they would still need three people. And they say, all right, let's throw Gordon on there. We'll see. I would leave Jeopardy in such debt. I would have to work on Jeopardy behind the scenes uh, to pay off my – is that how it works? If you end up with, like, negative money, you just have to, like, stay there and, like, wash dishes? I don't know. But there's your uh, moment of inspiration, uh, Alex Trebek getting choked up when the guy didn't know the answer. So he just said, hey, we love you, Alex, and it's great to have Alex Trebek back. Uh, I feel like Jeopardy should use the uh, the uh, the Eye of the Tiger music for the final round. I feel like it improves it. Doesn't, doesn't he feel like it improved it? I don't know. Sometimes it's a little uh, it's a little bit of a lull, a little bit of a lull. Hey, it's finally here. You can download the Disney Plus app right now and start streaming the best of Disney Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. Ad-free and whatever, wherever you want them. For more, go to DisneyPlus.com to get more information. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Before we go to the phones, I said before about I don't want to hear about Mark Jackson or whoever, you know, Stan Van Gundy, as if that guy's going to be able to fix it. You have a problem with the ingredients, and you have a problem with the kitchen. It's going to be kind of hard for anybody to come in there. I don't care who the master chef is, the iron chef that comes in there. They're not going to be able to cook you a good meal. So I don't care about this guy or that guy. And can we please – I mean, this is is the Knicks – you talk about storylines that just repeat themselves time and time – Masai Ujiri. The Knicks are eyeing Masai Ujiri with the idea that they could pair him up with Giannis. And what would that be? 2024? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. What do you think? I mean, come on. Why would Masai Ujiri want this? We kind of, Haven't we gone down that road and found out that road doesn't lead anywhere? You're going to have to fix it yourself. You got to fix it yourself. And I'm not saying you don't need to make changes. Clearly they do. And the first guy that would be out of a job would be Steve Mills. The fact that he's angling for the coach to be fired 10 games into the season tells you that he's just, it's not about winning and losing. It's just about surviving. All right. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Let's go out to, uh, oh, we'll start things off with Omar in Brooklyn. Omar, how are you, my friend? Good uh, morning. Mills Good absolutely morning. Uh, soiled the sheets on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Your quarterback is terrible. Can't throw the ball. But at least you have the Knicks. Hello? I had a terrible, terrible day. Yes, and Sunday was rough. The, uh, Sunday was rough. But the rough part was not the Bills losing the way they lost. Yeah. I was miserable, but okay, I have a 6-3 and three record. We will see what happens. Mm. But uh, when uh, let me ask you. All right. uh, when R.J. was playing 40, 45 minutes. Uh, Who was? And we were winning R.J. Barrett. All right, R.J. Barrett. Barrett, right, sure. Uh, yes. yep, yep. Uh, he was calling, and uh, 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 SNY reporter, Ayn Bentley, say, oh, he's playing too many minutes, uh, or oh, load management and stuff like that. Right. Or a 19 years old. Okay. Uh, these type of things happen with the Knicks, right? And what do you blame? Uh, if Steve Mills came in, and according to everybody, that he throws the coach. I don't think he throwed coach under the bus. Everybody in that stand at the halftime 
yesterday i was at my home my son was watching the game like i cannot believe i have never seen a mixed game that i cannot see that there was no effort at all while they had a great game friday night from a great victory they thought that they just going to show up and cleveland is going to you, wait, uh, omar 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 you, you said you've never seen the Knicks come out with a lackluster effort like that before no no it was miserable against cleveland no. i have never but you've never me. seen that before i have seen but it, it <laughs> was pathetic because after a game a victory of such a, a prosinger's victory and you say we are going to uh, make another victory so we going to have a good weekend and we can roll and this type of effort comes who do you think that will lie on don't you think it's a coaching job to prepare the, the players to come and start swinging right at the moment and finish the cleveland cavaliers well, off but it's largely on the players themselves i mean yeah i'm not look i'm not telling you that david fisdale has done a great job or that there's not things that i question but questions of effort generally the effort is generally questioned more on bad teams than good and it's not really surprising that the Knicks had this high high uh, in the game against the Mavs. When was that? Thursday? And then the, the next game out, they go and they uh, they do what they did, right? They lived high on the hog there for a while, and uh, they had one good game. And then they came out and they thought that they were better than they are. They're not very good. If you want to talk about an individual game, an individual performance, an individual decision, okay, fine. David Fisdale probably, uh, yeah, he's had 10 games. He's had 10 games. That's it. Yeah. It's not a very good team. And it's a team that's changed a lot of pieces in the offseason and has some guys missing, significant guys missing. Mitchell Robinson's missing. Dennis Smith Jr., who you were kind of counting on, it was terrible before he left. He's been missing. So, yeah, if you want to pinpoint individual, I'm not telling you he's not uh, an issue or his decisions have not been an issue. But if you're looking, if you're drawing up the list of concerns surrounding the New York Knicks and your first thing is the coach rather than the roster or the people making the decisions in the front office, well, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know who exactly. Again, they're 2-8. and eight. Could they be 3-7? and seven? Yeah, I guess. It's not like they should be 5-5. Five and five. It's not like they should be 6-4. and four. It's not like I look at this roster and I go, oh my God, how, how are the Knicks only 2-8? and eight? What games did you expect them to win that they didn't win? I'll be honest with you, at least in the beginning, not, late, not, not so much lately. Um, but I felt like early on in the season, they were giving you a pretty good effort. I was surprised that the effort was as good as it was. The Nets game, the Spurs game, uh, the Celtics game. At Boston, I thought that they were pretty good. They've had some efforts here that were terrible, like the Pistons game. That was terrible against the banged-up Pistons team. Against the Kings at home, that was not a very good effort. And then against the Cavaliers on Sunday, clearly. It's terrible. Terrible. But if you're talking about fixing the Knicks, if you think that uh, changing the coach is now all of a sudden going to improve this team by leaps and bounds. The effort's going to be great night in and night out. I got news for you. It's not. It's like the car's broken down. You say, you know what? I'm going to put some air in the tire, see if that knocks it out. You know, I just think that right now the tire pressure is at 27, 
And in the guide, they tell you it's supposed to be at 32. So if I put the air pressure at 32, the engine's going to start working. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm not a mechanic, but I don't believe that that's how it works. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I mean, I, you see things sometimes, and it just makes you absolutely scratch your head. Like the expectations for the next issue. It's a perfect, a perfect example. Where did you exactly expect this team to be 10 games into the season? You had a chance to completely change the narrative this past offseason. You failed. As soon as Kevin Durant said that he was not coming to the Knicks, and it was pretty clear you weren't getting any of the other big free agents this offseason, the Knicks pivoted. And I think they did, uh, not that they did necessarily a good job. Hey, remember, you remember that wacky time where Steve Mills was telling you the Knicks had a very successful offseason? It's a crazy time. It was about a month ago. It was about a month ago. But look, the Knicks didn't make it as bad as it could have been. Making it as bad as it could have been would have been to go and sign B and C players, sign them to big, long, max contracts. And the Knicks right now probably would be a little bit better, right? They're only 2-8. and eight. It wouldn't be hard to be a little bit better. Yeah, maybe they'd be 5-5 five and five right now. But their ceiling would be pretty low, and their floor would be, you know, kind of a 500. I don't think that that's anybody that what anybody is really looking for, just simply being more respectable than they have been. It's not hard to be more respectable than they have been, but you had to realize with that approach of not making it as bad as it could be that it was still going to be bad in the, in the immediate future, right? Signing a bunch of power forwards to one-year deals I mean, where would you expect it all of a sudden to be turning around? I saw a headline as well from the Post. Jamal Adams now giving Jets every reason to build around him. Oh, my. One game. One game's enough. All right. Yep. Yep. That sounds like a sound business strategy. All right. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Oh, Brian Cashman said some things yesterday. He said words, and uh, that turns out to be big news. He's... um, Obviously, at the uh, the the uh, general managers meetings in uh, Arizona, and they was being asked about players that they're going to be going after. What's the plan this off season, Brian? Shockingly, he did not give a detailed uh, running down of what players the Yankees are going to target. But when asked about are they going to talk to Garrett Cole and Strasburg, he said, "Yeah." <laughs> he basically said, "Yeah, we're going to talk to pretty much all the players." And that's the right approach, right? Like all the players that may be of interest, they're probably going to talk to each of them. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to sign them. And I, I'd be kind of surprised, especially with uh, Cole and Strasburg, that they, if they sign either of them. Because I think the Yankees, it's a brand new world and they are going to stick to the budget and they're going to make decisions, as I said before, very analytically. They have a price set in their mind and they're not going to top that price no matter what. And that price, when it comes to Garrett Cole, is going to be quite significant. You've already heard reports that some, you know, some people expect that his a contract will be for three hundred million. I don't think it would be that high, but who knows? It only takes one, right? The Angels could be desperate; they could say, "Yeah, we'll give you ten years, thirty million a year," and uh, the Yankees will be out on that. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the phone number. Let's go out to. Uh, let's see here. David is in Queens. David, what's going on, my man? Hey, I, I was just. I know I'm being an old Knicks fan, but. What about bringing Hubie Brown into the front office? Maybe his son Brendan, uh, even to look at as a coach. We have a combination that would actually work together. Uh, well, look, uh, I don't know why you would want to do that to Hubie. He seems like a very nice man, uh, and he's uh, older now, so I don't know why he would want that stress and that uh, agita. But uh, I think that right now it's bigger than just like one guy. See, like 
when you're a bad organization, and I get it, right? Like you think, okay, hope is just around the corner if we just get the right guy. And it leads to this kind of like savior complex. that There's only one person or one person will be able to turn this around. I think the first things first is you got to get rid of the people that have been here and have been making a mess of it. And Steve Mills would be the first one. If, if James Dolan want to, d- d- wanted to uh, endear himself in any way, to Nick fans, and it's not—it's it's going to be hard for him to do, right? Because the track record is the track record, and no matter what is said or presented or whatever, until you see some results, wins and losses wise, most people, almost everybody, is not going to believe anything you say. Like I hear people talk about, well, you know, I don't like what Pat Shermer has to say after these games. Well, the team loses every week. What would he say that would make you feel like, ah, you know what? They lose every week. But you know what? I really like what he has to say. There's nothing he can say that's going to make you feel good about where the team is at. Same thing with Gase or any of these guys. Fisdale. If you lose long enough, you're not going to like anything they have to say. So, But if Dolan wanted to come out and say, you know what? I'm really not happy. But instead of scapegoating the head coach, who we, we don't have any idea. No one has any idea of whether or not this guy could do the job here or not. I'm going to get rid of somebody who I, ha- I have a pretty good extensive track record at this point that he's terrible, including this past off season, and that would be Steve Mills. Let's go to Pablo in Beachwood. Pablo. Hey, what's going on, Gordon? I'm good, uh, man. What's up? Look, the problem with the Knicks, um, everybody says it's James Dolan. And to a certain extent, it is James Dolan. It starts from the top, but not for the reasons that everyone says. Honestly, the problem is Steve Mills. He's been there for, what, 20 years now or something like that? And, uh, he's been there a long time. You know, I don't know if he's been there 20 years, but he's been there a long time. Yeah, and the Knicks think. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, imagine if you were, were a bad employee in ESPN. Would you, would you stay in ESPN for this long? Like, obviously not. They'll, they'll, they'll change you right away. But Steve Mills stays there. He's, he's the one constant. And the culture in the Knicks is just horrible if you look across the river with the nets oh pablo everything started as soon as, he, as soon as he mentions the nets all of a sudden uh, the 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 rate it's almost like the, the the cell phone got bored too like the cell phone was like oh they're talking about the nets um uh, look uh, you, you're right and uh, everybody gives the credit the, the nets credit for the uh, culture that they've built there and uh, we'll see if it ends up uh, panning out um no I, I mean you would have to also say that by keeping Steve Mills and keeping him in the position that he has, when the track record has been so bad, it also has to send a message to the other workers within your organization that, hey, you know what really matters? Well, it's not wins and losses. It's about covering your rear end and shifting blame and not accepting uh, responsibility for things that probably within your control. It's about playing the game behind the scenes. And the Knicks dysfunction, I've likened it before many times to uh, an iceberg. There's the, the, the part of the iceberg that everybody sees. But the far larger part of the iceberg is the part that nobody sees underneath the water. And uh, for the last 20 years or so, the Knicks have hit the iceberg repeatedly. Let's go to Scott in Jersey. Scott. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I, I have to say that the the... the Blame starts and begins with James Dolan. Now, I get it that you can't change the owner. Right. But the culture is the scary thing was when Kevin Durant said the Knicks and just all these free agents, like they're not even an option. I can't think of another major market team where where New York isn't even, you know, where the Knicks isn't, aren't even an option. Like it's not even an option for anyone to even come to the Knicks. 
and that starts that begins and starts with the the ownership. So I think that you have to have a guy, not even the X and the O's guy, but a guy who has a pulse on. Oh, phones are just dry. He didn't even mention the Nets, and the phones are dropping out. This is uh, this is not good. This is a sign of the next season here so far. Well, look, nobody wants to hear it, uh, but I bring this up all the time. You know, Dolan, for all the criticism and a lot of it, rightfully so, the the track record is the track. You know, the the wins and losses is the wins and losses. The guy spends money. He goes out, and if there, you know, when when he went out and got Phil Jackson. I didn't. I don't remember a lot of people saying, "No, that's not the right move. Don't go get Phil." He went out and he spent. Uh, I think it was was it eleven, twelve million dollars a year on Phil, like a ridiculous amount of money. So he goes and he spends the money. Unfortunately, he has not uh, largely hired the right people. And then when he has hired the right people, there are things going on behind the scenes, whether or not it's his involvement or other people's involvement or the the fact that people want to. Uh, Kind of grab power for themselves behind the scenes with the with the with with the inner workings of the organization that those people have not been left alone to go out and do the job that they've been hired to do and are capable of doing. There's a lot of people the Knicks have hired have not been capable of doing the job. Isaiah is a perfect example, but there have been some who have had success before they got to the Knicks and have had success after they got to the Knicks. Mike D'Antoni is a perfect example. Mike D'Antoni was a good coach before he got to the Knicks, came to the Knicks, disaster, left the Knicks, good again. Hmm. I think the problem might be the Knicks. Let's go out to Phil in Suffolk County. Phil, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, Gordon? I just wanted to piggyback off what you said about um, uh, the Zen master coming over. You know, I mean, he, he had dynasty experience, and even he couldn't even change the Knicks. You know, um, yeah. I definitely think it's the politics in the organization. You know? Well, look, I mean, Phil, Phil had his own issues. You know, the, the, uh, you know, when you make the moves that he made with Noah and signing that contract, which ever, I mean, everybody knew that was not hindsight. That was when it was first mentioned, people were like, Oh my God, he's going to do what? And he signed, uh, Joachim Noah to that contract, which was a disaster. But if you're being fair, and I brought this up before. I don't, to me, Phil was not the worst person I've seen running the Knicks. Did not cap them out. Stopped trading away first-round picks. And if you're looking for, you know, in this season, which is spiraling, it feels like kind of out of control, given what you got last off season, you have to know that it's up to you. The Knicks are going to have to turn. Stop looking for the savior Stop looking for the golden lamp that you're going to sh- rub three times and all of a sudden the genie's going to pop out and and your savior is going to come here and just fix everything and uh, all you have to do is hire that one guy. You're going to have to do it yourself. You knew that after this past off season, this past season where you won 17 games and you went into the, uh, the uh, free agency and you struck out, left and right you struck out, you weren't able to get any of the guys – you knew that this is going you're going to have to build up the talent on this team. And that's the one thing that's not being talked about enough. Nick fans think that this team is far more talented than it is. It's not. You're hoping that RJ Barrett turns out to be a good player or that Mitchell Robinson when he gets back and is healthy takes a step forward or or that maybe some of these other pieces, Kevin Knox or Neil Aquina can show to be functional players in an NBA rotation. But this is not a talented team. And it's going to be the long haul. And you don't want to hear it because it's been 20 years. But when you start all over again like you did this past year, you can't expect to short-circuit the, 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 the process. 
And if you're expecting this Knicks team to all of a sudden start picking up wins left and right, you're, you're delusional, like many fans are. All right, that's going to do it for us for today. We uh, have the poll question. It's up uh, on the old Twitter machine, if you want it. It's there. Who's most responsible for the Knicks 2-8 and eight start? Could flirt with the 90 percentile today. We'll find out. We'll see you tomorrow at 5. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.